I mean, moms and families, and probably anyone, truly value their time like their money. The car buying process takes too long. It takes too long a lot of the time because the consumer is not prepared, because as dealers, we're like so scared to tell them what's gonna happen at their lease turn-in. Like why we're so coy about how to make your car buying process go quicker is so weird to me. What's up, everyone? This is Car Dealership Guy. You're listening to the Car Dealership Guy podcast, which is my effort to give you access to the most unbiased and transparent insights into the car market. Let's get into today's episode. Kelly Stumpy is the founder of The Car Mom, an automotive media company focused on moms and families. In this conversation, we discussed how Kelly built a massive social media presence focused on moms, the various ways she's monetizing her brand, which channels have been the most profitable, her best car buying advice and trade-in tips for consumers, and what she believes can be done to change the broader perception of car dealers. This was a very inspiring conversation. I think you will love it. But before we get into the show, please take two seconds to subscribe or follow this podcast on your favorite listening platform. It's completely free and will help ensure that you never miss an episode. All right, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Kelly Stumpy. All views of Car Dealership Guy and guests on this podcast are solely their opinions. None of the views expressed should be treated as financial advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, Kelly, the car mom on the pod. Kelly, welcome. Hey, Kelly, how'd you get started? Like from the dealership to media, you're almost reminding me of a Twitter account that I know. How did this all get started for you? And how did you go from the transition from the dealership to media? Yeah, I think people are very surprised to actually find out that I do have such an automotive background. Like I'm not just a mom with a smartphone. Like I, my automotive roots actually run very deep. So um, in St. Louis, my grandpa and his brother started a used car lot in 1957. And then my dad and his brother grew it to a multi-store franchise. They currently have five different locations. And in 2016, I was like, cool, I'm going to join the family business. I'm going to start selling cars. I Walk me through that. Why? Like the oh, car well, business, it's this, you know, historically like male dominated dealership business. Go ahead. Yes. So I got a college degree in equestrian science, which is the study of horses which hindsight was not the best thing to go to college for. So my father looked at me and he's like, so what's the plan? And I'm like, right, <laughs> I guess I'm going to try the car business out. And he really wanted me to do it for just a summer. He, the, I'm the oldest of five. So the rule was when you graduate, you sell cars for a summer. Now, keep in mind, none of my other siblings have had to do it since me right outside of college. So I, that was just the rule. He thought I would learn so much about business in the world if I started selling cars. What was so interesting about starting selling cars when you come from a dealership background is you actually know nothing about buying a car. I had so many people tell me, like, you're going to kill this. Like, you were raised in the business. And I'm like, no, I've never bought a car. My parents have never bought a car. I, when I started selling cars, I was 22 years old. He put me at the BMW store. Didn't even know you had to pay sales tax on a vehicle. Like, I was so ignorant to how the car buying process worked, let alone the car selling process. So it was a huge learning curve. But I quickly, like, fell in love with the business of selling cars. I thought it was, I had never had more fun. I had never felt more accomplished. Like the rush of closing a deal, I was truly addicted to it. And I started in July and by October, I was salesman of the month. Wow. And I freaking- sales, Saleswoman of the month. Saleswoman of the month. It's true. They actually had to get a new plaque made because they <laughs> had it. salesman of the month. And then we had to change one that said salesperson of the month. Yeah, salesperson. So I really just loved it. And I did it- um, until I was pregnant with my child, with my first son. And, you know, you look at the hours of the car business and I think about like everything that goes into being a mom and like wanting to breastfeed and like wanting to do all these things. I'm like, I can't be away for 12 hours. And 
you know, the thing with the were car you business any, is- Were you at any point a mom working at the dealership or at no point did that overlap? Yes, but I was never selling cars as a mom. Oh, got it. Okay, so how did you handle the childcare? Like, what did you do throughout that time? So before my son was born, I switched like some more like operational type things around the dealership. So I did like CRM management, direct mail pieces, like a little bit of social media. Basically, it, I hated it. It was a super boring job and my son went to a daycare. Very like nothing I liked about the car business. I was like, I want to be talking to people. I want to be selling cars. And I just found it so frustrating that I was like, gosh, like being a mom and selling cars just like doesn't mix. And like looking back, it's so funny because it was literally right in front of me. And when I was pregnant with my second, you know, now it's two kids in daycare making like, you know, like an hourly wage at the dealership doing direct mail pieces, like cost of child care for two kids. I'm like, this isn't penciling. So my husband was like, this isn't penciling. <laughs> yeah, he was like, this isn't making sense. Like, I should probably just be a stay at home mom. Like, I, in a way, I thought I was always going to end up there anyway. But I was so sad because I'm like, I freaking love selling cars and I was so good at it. So my husband gave me the idea one Sunday afternoon. He's like, Kelly, why don't you just focus on the moms? He's like, why don't you just try to sell cars to other moms? And you can like, you know, tell your dad like you'll sell cars by appointments. And his idea was like, take a minivan to your park play date and sell it to all the moms there. I was like, that's a good idea. I was like, I will be the, the mom salesperson of St. Louis. But as soon as he said it, I immediately saw like the entire vision laid out of what I was going to do. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, I'm going to start doing car reviews for moms and for families because no one's doing it. And I was like, this thing is going to be huge. So I started in June of 2020 when I was 25 weeks pregnant, no, 14 weeks pregnant with my daughter. And it blew up. Like faster than I could even keep up with it. And Wait, I just so, grabbed used cars. Go ahead so one second, how did you start? What was like the first thing you did? Well, I, I thought like the car reviewers are on YouTube. So like I need to be on YouTube. But then I was like, well, YouTube's hard. Like I don't have a camera. I don't know how to edit a video. And are the moms on YouTube? Because like I was like rocking my baby to sleep every night, like scrolling Instagram for hours. And I know how to work Instagram. I thought the moms are probably on Instagram. So I just opened an Instagram account one day went live and said, hey, I'm Kelly Stumpy and I'm the car mom. I'm going to review cars for moms and for families and I'm going to focus on the safety, comfort and convenience. Hope you follow along. And then I just started grabbing used cars off the lot and talking about, you know, how they work for families. If car seats can fit, if strollers can fit, what the cup holders are like and the things that, you know, moms care about. And how did you get your first like thousand followers? It was pretty organic. I would say like I went on, you know, my personal Instagram page and I said, hey, I'm starting this new passion project. And then I went to all of these Facebook groups. There's like this like dark corner of the internet of all these Facebook mom groups. And they're honestly incredibly toxic. I don't recommend anyone go on them. But so I was in like St. Louis moms, like moms of two under two, moms <laughs> of boys born in the month of May. Like there's all these, mo these mom groups. And I would go on there and like try to promote myself. And a lot of the times they get deleted because they don't allow self-promotion. But if, they, if one slid through the cracks, I would get like, yep. you know, 200 new followers from Peloton moms of Facebook. It's so funny because we used to have a head of HR and um, she was very active on the mom groups and we would like, we would sometimes post stuff in there, but we would do it in a way where it would be like, yeah. hey, looking for advice and then completely plugging in the business. Yeah, that's what I would, so same thing. I would like look at other comments. So I would like go to the Facebook group and I would keyword search cars because everyone was like, what's the best mom car? And then I would say, oh, hey, my name's Kelly. I review cars for moms and for families. And I would just do everything. I would comment on like all the manufacturers posts, so, like Mercedes, Ford. I would just comment on a random post, say, hi, I'm Kelly. I'm doing car reviews for moms and just post the comment. I mean, whatever I could do. And then the first, I mean, the, it, you know, the first thousand almost 
took the longest. I think it took me about a month to get a thousand. And then so I started in June and by October, I, my, my daughter was born and my goal was to have 10,000 followers so I could like see if I could actually make this a career so I didn't have to go back to 15 hours at the dealership, $15 an hour at the dealership. Um, and by October, the day my daughter was born, I had 14,000. Wow. So I had just beat it. Do you right now, is this, do you make enough money to live from it yet? Oh yeah. So, so this is like your full-time, like your, this is your this career. Is my full-time job, my sister's full-time job. Um, and it's significantly more money than I could make selling cars. I love it. We'll get more into the, we'll get more into the financial yeah. shortly. I, I want to take a quick step back. What's the mission for the car mom? Like what, what actually is it? Is it just an Instagram page? Like give us a kind of an overview of what you're actually doing here. Yeah. So the car mom, we, my, I would say that my content is twofold. So like I definitely focus on like the car reviews for mom. So I'm a certified child passenger safety technician. So I had to get the certification so I could safely talk about car seats and how they fit in vehicles. So part of our content is all about the cars. The other part of my content is all about the car buying process. I am so passionate about empowering women through the car buying process because I hate the perception of what it means to be a car salesperson, and what it means to be a car dealer. Like family-owned dealerships are my life. Like my whole livelihood is because of people supporting local family-owned dealerships. And it's always saddened me to see like the stigma that people have around them because I know there's so many good dealerships and salespeople out there. Like I was, I was, and I still am, I'm a great salesperson. Like I took good care of my customers. I returned their phone calls. I was always honest and transparent. So the other half of my mission is like helping my followers find good dealerships, find good salespeople. And feel empowered through the car buying process and to know it's not something they have to be afraid of. There is so much fear mongering when it comes to buying a car. And there's all these like, you know, car coaches out there that just have all this fear invested. It's like you're going to get screwed over and here's how. And I'm like, hold on. You probably aren't. And here are the red flags I would look out for. And besides that, like the car business is way more transparent than I think people think it is. Um, so the other half of my platform is all about just empowering through that. So it's an Instagram page. We have our YouTube tours. I have car buying courses. Um, we have merch. It's kind of like a little bit of a lifestyle brand. Like, um, you know, I have like some car accessories, like car safety magnets, car cleaners, anything mom, car, first time car buyer related adjacent is kind of my thing. How big is your reach? Like followers, subscribers, you know, listeners? Yeah. So we actually just hit 100,000 on YouTube like wow. last week, which was pretty exciting. And then I have, I think, 420 on Instagram and several thousand on Facebook. And then we have a podcast as well. And what's the podcast about? And it's called The Carpool. And it is mom and it's it's a little bit mindless, but then we always have an industry news segment. So we always talk about what's going on in the auto industry. But the spin is we talk about it like we're gossiping. So it's me and my sister. So we're like, oh my gosh, like Ford is going crazy. Like now Ford <laughs> and Tesla are collabing and they are like, you know, sharing EV chargers. But we do it in a way that's entertaining for, you know, anyone who's like not a car nerd to listen to. And the whole point of it is it's like everyone likes to talk about cars. So like next time if you're a stay at home mom and like next time you're at, you know, your kids soccer's trivia night, like here's what you talk to like your friend husband about. You tell them like the stuff you learned about the car business. So it's just kind of like, getting people interested in the auto industry who may not be the typical, you know, gearheads people would think would be interested. Yeah, that's incredible. And so what's driving your growth at this point, would you say? Like, is it just organically moms are sharing this with each other? Or what? what is that lever for you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even still to this day, there's just not a lot of people who are doing car reviews for moms. 
And I think what makes my reviews different than the typical car reviewer is I am not reliant on the manufacturer to send me vehicles. So what's di- what's difficult about, I think, the car reviewer model is so many of these car reviewers, like, they're not getting a Toyota unless Toyota sends it. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, I got a used Forerunner right now. I'll go do a tour of it. Like, it's the same body style. Like, as far as, like, my content's concerned, I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of, like, the different trim level upgrades, but, like, I'm going to tell you if a car seat can fit. So I've been able to be so completely raw and honest about the vehicles because I don't have any manufacturer ties. I mean, I don't know if my dad always, like, loves when I grab a new Nissan and drag it through the mud, but I also try to explain to him, which he's done a good job of understanding, I'm not saying it's a bad car. I'm saying it's a bad car for families, and here are the reasons why. And, like, I don't think there's – I would go to bat with anyone who would disagree with me because, in a way, like, my reviews are so – data-based because it's like it either fits or it doesn't. Like this, it has nothing to do with anything other than that. So one thing that comes to mind when you say that is what was your sales style at the dealership? Because I feel like you are in a way, you know, you're either selling these cars or you're not selling them, right? You're, you're giving your unbiased opinion. But what was your sales style at the dealership? Like how did you actually go through that sales process with a customer? Well, I think what's what's been, what I'm so thankful for my background is because I was so ignorant to the car buying process when I started selling cars, I'm really able to relate to those customers who are going through that first time car buying experience. Like, I understand if you have no idea what how a lease works, because neither did I. So I'm really able to like explain it. And then additionally, like the same, at the end of the day, though, like I was still a young woman in a male dominated industry. So the same gripes that my audience has about car buying is the same gripes that I had about car selling. Like it's both we're out of our wheelhouse. We're not always being respected. I mean, how many times did someone come in and like assume I was the receptionist or like, you know, things like that or ask to work with a salesperson or like tell me I didn't know what I was talking about. I mean, that stuff happened all the time. So in a way, like my sales style kind of evolved to, you know, you can get people, you can only get people to respect you so far. And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm just going to focus on the moms. So it's like, I'm going to focus on the women and the first time car buyers, people who are going to treat me seriously. Like I'm not going to go to bat with like, you know, Jim, who's 85 on his fifth five series. Like I just, I'm over <laughs> it, whatever. Someone else seldom him. I don't care. I love it. You know, we had this, uh, we had this idea that we mocked up years ago where it was uh, an online dealership for moms. Now the issue was really? that, and of course not the issue, but the reason, yeah, really, I have the mockups. I could probably find them and show you. But the reason we never pursued this is because we didn't have that edge, right? It wasn't authentic to us. And it wasn't authentic to me. My car dealership guy is authentic to me. Um, and it's just funny how that works because it's, it's in hindsight, it's almost like genius. It's like, of course, like there needs to be a niche, you know, that focuses yeah. on moms. Um, but you need the right person. You know, you need that. They call it like that founder market fit. And it's, uh, you yeah. definitely have that. So, all right, let's get into some of the juicy stuff, right? People want to know, like, what's the deal with the car mom? How much, how much money are you making? What are the economics of these businesses? You're, you're over here running like 15 different businesses. I was impressed when I was looking through all your stuff. So just explain to us, like, you know, how these things got started, like, you know, what's making money, what's not making money. Give us the breakdown. Yeah. So I mean, when I started the car mom, I had no idea how I was going to make money. Like I had no idea how people made money on social media. But that wasn't the goal. The goal was it's like, let's just build an audience. And then like, when I have something to sell to this audience, like they will be so engaged and s- trust me so much that like it's going to work. So I had no idea what I was going to do. My first big idea was that I was going to like make a car buying course. And this car buying course, you know, people are always like, how do you teach people how to buy cars, but your family owns dealerships? I was just going to ask you, nothing like, what, in, what did your dad there say There is about nothing it? in that. Co- I mean, it is. I'm not saying that they're going to be the dealership's most profitable customer, but there is nothing in that course that breeds fear, that paints dealerships in a bad light. It is all about empowering you. 
I had a sales manager who taught me when I was selling cars that validation's the new negotiation. That's true on both ends. Like just like dealers validate their price, it's fair for the consumer to also validate their offer. So it's all about just like validating your offer, how to know you're getting a good deal, how to improve your car buying experience. I mean, moms and families and probably anyone truly value their time like their money. The car buying process takes too long. It takes too long a lot of the time because the consumer is not prepared because as dealers, we're like so scared to tell them what's going to happen at their lease turn-in. Like why we're so coy about how to make your car buying process go quicker is so weird to me. So it's all about like saving time, saving money, making sure you're getting a good deal. Course is awesome. I'm, we're super proud of it. How many courses do you have? Uh, we have a trade-in course and a car buying course. And then we sell them as a bundle as well. So that's like one half of it. I also do personalized consultations because there's so much misinformation about what makes a good family car and what vehicles can fit three car seat, what vehicles like work for families of four, what vehicles, you know. So I do these personalized consultations. They're 15 minutes long. You tell me your car seat setup, what your budget is, what your needs are, and I'll spit out a couple of cars you should look at. I really, though, that's not the most profitable end of the business because like it takes me sitting down for 15 minutes and you can only charge so much mm -hmm. for that. But I love doing it. How much them. do you charge for that? I charge 150 for 30 minutes and 75 for 15 minutes. Got it. Okay. You can so raise your prices. Those, that's not about the money for me. That's well, I know, but I just <laughs> I like, know, I, I just know, like I doing them. And it kind of <laughs> keeps me fresh in the business because I'm not selling cars. So like, I like to see the offers come in. I like Smart. to see like what's happening. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, YouTube's great. So, you know, YouTube pays us for our views and YouTube actually, what's interesting about the YouTube uh, payment plan is they pay automotive and finance based accounts more per thousand views than any other type of content out there. What, what's driving that? Just uh, advertisers are paying the most for those because ads? Because our advertisers will pay. Yeah. Got so it. like if you're a makeup person on YouTube, we've heard, and I can't say these numbers are super updated, but like when we were starting it, when you're a makeup person, you're getting like $4 per thousand views. When you're an automotive or finance related one, you're getting like anywhere from 14 to $20 per thousand views. It makes so, sense because the customer acquisition cost on a car is in, yeah. you know, in the hundreds, whereas the customer acquisition cost on makeup is in probably the tens of dollars, you know, or whatever. So exactly. it makes sense. Yeah. So we do a lot of um, stuff on Instagram. So like, you know, you make me on Instagram by affiliate links, by sponsored content, um, and then by, by selling your own stuff. So we have some merchandise that we're super proud of our merch business. Um, we Who's sell, running uh, all this? Who's running all this? Who's doing all the, you know, blocking and tackling? I mean, you're creating content media. That takes up a lot of time. Yeah, I think it's just me and my sister. So just you and your sister are doing everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a fulfillment center and we have podcast producers. But my sister does all the editing, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, runs the website. I create the content. But yeah, our merch business, we're really proud of it. So we sell, um, our big thing is we sell these safety stickers and safety magnets. So it looks like a child's hand and it's designed to go on the outside of your vehicle. And it's put there because when I was a mom, well, I am a mom, when I was a mom of a two-year-old and a newborn, it was so hard to load and unload because my two-year-old was constantly trying to run into the street. So we created these magnets that gives your child a place to put their hand on the vehicle wow. so they know to stay close to the car. And then I could like unload or load my other child. So <laughs> those have been super fun. And then we have a car cleaner that's um, completely non-toxic for like daily use. I mean, I, I talk a lot on my platform how I think clean cars drive better. And I don't like to buy into the notion that just because you're, you're a mom, your car has to be trashed. Because I think your car is like sometimes the only few minutes of peace you get as a mom. So this car cleaner we have is it's um it's natural, it's non-toxic, it's made to, you know, use daily and not like expose your families to a lot of harsh chemicals. We sell some funny t-shirts. Like we have these like minivan graphic tees that say never say never on them because never say never about minivans. You don't know until you try hey, one. Hey, the minivan's about to arrive right now. So I'm not even kidding. It's like it might it might arrive really? while we're in the podcast. You're getting the yeah. minivan? 
Yeah, right now it's on the way. <laughs> I just, I, I love minivans, you know, I, I always, I always talk about it's just having sold minivans, um, knowing the demand for minivans to me, it's a, it's a very highly valued, you know, gr just great, for, great utility. And so we went with the Toyota Sienna. Um, all right. I do want to talk more about your courses, just the consumer side of things. But before we get into that, yeah. Um, I mean, what's been the most successful form of media for you from a financial perspective? It's like you're, you're focused on many different things. Like what, what, what is that one area that, you know, you think you're going to invest more? Our, our Instagram audience is definitely our most engaged and they're engaged in like my most day-to-day -day life. So mm -hmm. the way that you have an, the way that you sell successful on Instagram is by having an engaged audience. So we always prioritize taking care of that audience, making sure we're providing them with a ton of good content. So that they don't feel like my page is like a walking advertisement of, you know, my own merchandise. But our merch is definitely our most profitable and successful um, just because, it's you know, it's, it's your own stuff. Yeah. So instead of like, you know, pushing a product that I'm going to get paid 7% commission on, I can push a product that I'm proud of, that I back, that we've invested, you know, a lot of money in. But it's a product that I really believe in. So that's the most successful. And a lot of those deals, a lot of the merch sales come from Instagram. So it is always about prioritizing that content. But. My hopes is that I've diversified enough. And I think the reason we're so diverse is because I don't want anyone to feel, I don't want to feel like I, anyone owns my platform other than me. So like the Carmom name is mine. The Carmom brand is mine. If Instagram deletes tomorrow, not all my income is tied up in like how many people see my Instagram stories. We have a podcast, a YouTube, a website, courses, consultations. We have so many other streams of revenue. And I don't think enough content creators do that. And they get very... It gets very scary when Instagram glitches or like you're just like not the hottest trending thing. So I yeah, you're not the very, we're very much trying to build this, build this for longevity. And, I, you know, also as much as I love like being whatever, an influencer, whatever you want to call me, I don't intend on influencing into my 40s or my 50s. So it's like, how can I make a brand and a business that, you know, isn't going to be relying on me showing up, telling everyone like what I made for dinner that night? You know, tell me more about that. No, I mean, I think it's interesting because you are the face of the brand, although it is the car mom, of course. But yeah. you are the car mom. So what is that long-term vision for the car mom? If, if you don't think you're, you're going to be the face long-term, like what does that look like? Well, I mean, I've, I've always, I take the responsibility of like being the, the car mom very seriously because there is a lot of car buying decisions being made based on what I say about a vehicle. And that's like a lot of pressure when I think about the other influencers who are, you know, sharing a top that's worth $25 and people are buying it. Well, okay, whatever. They're, they're out $25 if they don't like it. I'm, I'm influencing, you know, $50,000 purchases. So I take that very seriously. Um, and I also have been, tried to be super aware of the fact that I am just one mom with one set of needs and one opinion. So I really have tried to like empower and raise other mothers' voices so I can also make sure like those opinions are being heard. Like I drive a Ford Expedition. I don't really like the Chevy Tahoe. Sorry. It's one, I think it's one of the most overrated cars out there. But a lot of people love the Chevy Tahoe. So I'm always very mindful to make sure I include on my site moms who love the Chevy Tahoe and why they love it. So we have this section on our website called Real Mom Reviews. And it's when moms can write in about why they like their vehicle. And I always want to like to give them that. Like I always want that platform. This is a collaborative platform. Yeah. And people buy cars for all different kinds of reasons. So I it's finding the balance of like I want to share my opinion. But at the end of the day, like the car mom brand is about safety, convenience and comfort. And like those can be very much measured in a non, I mean, those are very much like data driven things. Walk me through more of the nitty gritty of like, like what, choosing a car, right? So how do you decide what type of car is good for someone or bad for someone? So I think the biggest misconception with buying a family car is not enough families forecast their family's growth. 
I mean, I people always ask me what the best car for a first time mom is. I say the car you're currently driving because every car can fit one for the most part. Every car can fit one car seat. And so many families rush into this car buying process or rush into this purchase and they have no idea how quickly their needs change and how how these cars it changes how these cars operate. So like I had three kids in four years. So if I would have bought a car when I was pregnant with my first child, and let's say I would have bought like a Hyundai Palisade. Okay, great. It's a three-year SUV. I had one kid. It works perfect. Okay, now here I am four years later. It's a six-year loan. I'm only on year four. And I now I have three kids. Oh, that was crazy. Now my oldest has to go to the third row. Okay, my oldest can't buckle himself. Okay, well, my oldest in the third row, that, and that means I can't put down the trunk space. Okay, well, now I don't have enough trunk space for my double shoulder for my other two kids that are in the second row. So like, you they just forget and you don't realize like how quickly those needs change. So I tell my families like, before you pull the trigger on a car, that's great. That's how it works year one. What does year seven look like? How many kids do you have? Who's sitting where? How are you accessing them? Do you have enough trunk space? What does grade school drop-off look like? Can they get out of the vehicle? And like, you just have to go down that process because there are so many families who have to trade in a car early, get upside down because it doesn't fit their family. And my my audience is so different than the other car buying audiences out there because during this pandemic, everyone's like, don't buy. Car prices are crazy. I'm like, well, that's great. But Sharon's pregnant with twins. So she needs a car and she needs a car today because her current car won't fit her family. So you've got to be so careful when you're buying a family car to make sure you get the right car and that you're in it well. So yep. that's my number one tip. You've got to forecast what your future is going to look like. And so what are what are some of the hottest vehicles you're recommending as of late? Yeah, I mean, my favorite, like my favorite full size SUV is a Ford Expedition. And like I'd go to bat with anyone who said differently. Why? Um, the Ford Expedition is the most car seat friendly. It's. I've done a whole blog post comparing the Ford Expedition to the Chevy Tahoe. And I think people would be shocked if they see how much better the Ford Expedition is for car seats. Um, one big thing about Chevy's lineup that I just don't understand is they don't put middle head restraints in their seats. So if you look at a Chevy Tahoe, there's no any of the GM lineups, there's no middle head restraints. I never noticed that. And I'm like, and it's like, you can't put a human or a child in a booster seat in a seat without a head restraint. Like, that is incredibly dangerous. And, like, I don't know why they don't have that. Like, it's crazy to me. There's also very few vehicles that – there's some vehicles that allow you to access the third row with car seats in the second row. The Ford Expedition is one of them. There's several other in the midsize category as well. Um, and you can literally tilt the entire seat while you have a car seat installed so you still have that third row access. Mm. That's huge. Um, and then there's just, like, the car seat hardware. Like, a lot of people don't know that – Car seats need lower anchors or tether anchors, which is those like little anchors that we see on all the vehicles. And there's a lot of vehicles that just don't put enough in the vehicle. So like not to keep comparing the Chevy Tahoe because it is a good car, but the Chevy Tahoe doesn't put lower anchors in the third row. Why? The Ford Wait, Expedition does. Lower anchors. What's that specifically? Lower anchors are the ones that are in the seats. So you need those for some types oh, of car yeah, seat yeah, installations. Of course, the ones that click in. Got it. Yeah. And then there's there's tether anchors on the back of the seats, which are required for forward facing car seats. So yes. another just like crazy <laughs> example is like the Toyota Sequoia. It's like a huge family car. You're like, that's the best. That's a family car. It's perfect. Well, the Toyota Sequoia only has one tether anchor in it in the third row. It only has one tether anchor in the third row and it's in the middle seat. So wow. the only place you can install a car seat in the third row with Toyota Sequoia is the middle seat, which means you can't see anything out the back. And it means, well, it's Elizabeth. Can I'm, you take this and see what she needs? I'm so sorry. My, no, day, my daycare is calling me. I just want to make sure it's not an emergency. Is she okay? All good? My daughter smashed my daughter smashed her finger at daycare. So she was calling to see if she could give her ibuprofen. Ugh. Sorry. We should definitely keep that part in. <laughs> um, no, I'm just blown away by these details that I would have absolutely never thought of. No. And, you know, my, my wife wouldn't have either. That's just crazy. 
Yeah. And like, and I didn't. Like, I've also been kind of, you know, figuring all of this out real time. And then once I got the car seat certification, it really just opened my eyes to, you know, these manufacturers are like, is this a family car? And I'm like, is it? <laughs> Put is them on it? the spot. Is it? Yeah. All right. So let's go from, you know, w- w- uh, I want to jump to car buying tips specifically. I know, yeah. you know, your courses are a big thing for you. What, what are just give me some of your most important car buying tips? Um, my number one car buying tip is to choose your salesperson ahead of time. So a lot of people don't know about this, but we all, everyone car buying goes on Google and they're like, let me read the Google reviews. But we have to take it a step further and you have to choose who you want to work with. So I love this platform called Dealer Raider because you can read reviews about individual salespeople. Yeah, like when we, I was a salesperson. We just person, had the CEO on the pod, Alex Vetter. Oh, love. When I was a salesperson, my dealer rate reviews were everything. And it is such a good tip to tell people to f- decide who they want to work with. Because you and I both know, like, if you're going to show up on a Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. and not have an appointment, um, are you going to get the best salesperson there? Uh, no, we're busy. We're booked and busy. We have appointments. You're going to get the new guy who's ever outside smoking a cigarette. And that's not who you want to work with. And I said what I said. So I think the best way to empower yourself through the car buying process to improve your experience in 10 seconds is to decide who you want to work with. So go on there, read the reviews, read their experience, what their like accolades are, and schedule an appointment with them. And that's great. Now you're working with the Kellys of the world and not like the chips of the world. Couldn't agree more. I can tell you that. It's funny you mentioned that the salesperson smoking a cigarette. When we were renovating um, a couple years back, I remember I remember the, the architect speaking with the architect and then him telling us, hey, uh, let's put a very short awning outside the dealership so that there's nowhere to smoke you know outside when it's raining and whatnot. i like that yeah so it's it was, we moved from like these like nice awnings to like everything was like super short awnings yeah make sure that there's nowhere that's covered from the rain so funny little thing that i just thought of when you mentioned that um and i couldn't agree more i i mean you don't want to put the fate in the hands of just you know randomness yeah. you want to control your destiny and the best way to do that is to team up with someone that already has a great reputation so And that's so easy for like, I think dealers to do also, you know, posting on your social media and just like telling us about your sales staff and say like, hey, this is Kelly. You know, she's a mom of three. You know, she loves this car. Like if you're interested in working with her, like here's how you book an appointment. And then it's like, why would we not empower our own salespeople and show how great they are? Because there's so many good eggs in this business. And I just think like not enough people are getting connected to them. So that's by far my number one car buying tip. Give us your most important trade-in tips. My most important trade-in tip. Well, I like to list, so in my trading course, we talk a lot about um, knowing what's wrong with your car and then knowing what it would cost you to get it fixed, which maybe this one's kind of walking the line of it's like, okay, that's not like everyone's favorite. That's not every dealer's favorite tip that I share. But I also want to make sure my audience feels good about what they need to do to prep their trade for trade-in. And again, this is something like dealerships can absolutely share with their audience because all you're going to do is get better trade-ins. So, you know, for some minor things, I'm always like, you know, like, yeah, get the car detail before you trade it in. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to like any more of like the major, like, let's say curbed wheels, they're like, should I fix curbed wheels? I'm like, I wouldn't fix your curbed wheels. I would just take it into the dealership, but I would make sure you call around and have some sort of idea of how much it costs to get curbed wheels repaired. Because what a dealership sometimes is going to do is they're going to look at your car and then they're going to devalue it. And they're going to tell you how much they took off for your curbed wheels. So if they tell you they took off $500 because your wheels are curbed and you have a quote that says, you know, your friend will fix it for 200 bucks. Okay, don't worry about it. I got a guy who'll fix it for 200 bucks and then I'll bring it back. I just saved myself 300 bucks. Well, now suddenly the dealership's not going to be charging $500 for it. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it depends. There's in certain circumstances, I would say that, 
you know, adding, you know, like the dealership deserves to make some money, of course, for, for, sure. for doing it or adding value. Uh, but I also understand your point. I think it's interesting, like, you know, you, the consumer can make that decision for themselves. Like if they have the time and they want to go get it fixed themselves, great. Uh, or maybe the dealership will, you know, deduct some or, you know, change the, pay them a little bit more for that uh, and, and some negotiation. So I think that's interesting. The other thing I think that you said is it's interesting to me is that you mentioned to detail the car. You know, I always go back and forth on this because on one hand, as a dealer, I can tell you if you bring your car detailed, like on paper, objectively, it's not adding any value. I don't care. I'm going to detail it anyways once I'm done reconditioning it. On the other hand, you know, there is nothing like a first impression a good first impression. And so I think, you know, I think there's something to that. And it, you're, you're making me think through it because I've, I've always been against like the detail. Like if you're already trading it in, like don't get it detailed. But the more I think about it, you know, I do think that thinking about myself and my biases, like when someone brings a car and, you know, in the past, I've seen cars that have been like filthy. Yeah, I immediately I think that if the car is filthy, they did not take care of that car. So yeah, I think, exactly. there's, I think there's something to be said from, from that perspective. And I really try, like in, in the course, I really painted as a, it's to your point, it's to show like pride of ownership. So I say, you know, get your car detailed and then come to the dealership with both sets of keys with your owner's manual, with any service records you have. So you can just like paint the picture that this was a super well-maintained vehicle. I mean, when I was appraising, when I was selling cars, and my manager would appraise a trade. They'd be like, they got every service record. Like this thing's mint. And it's like, first of all, do we know that's every service record? Absolutely not. Like, what are you talking about? Like they could have been missing, you know, three years worth of it, but just because they had the illusion of like, Every service record in a binder. We're like, wow, yep. this must be a great, well-maintained car. Yeah, that's so immediately. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that's the it's immediate to paint perception. a little bit of an illusion. One hundred percent, and that's important, you know. But so. I also really like. I always preach on my platform, like, no, like Mother's Day, ask for a car detail. Your birthday, ask for a car detail. Like that is a really good gift that we can give to people. And like, clean cars drive better. Like, get your car detailed. Like, why are you driving around in a gross car? Get your car detailed. <laughs> I love it. Clean cars drive better. What do you think fundamentally, like you're really working actively on changing this perception of dealerships and, and also helping moms out and families. What do you think the car buying experience will look like for women in, you know, five to 10 years? Like how, how is that going to be different? Um, you know, especially with everything you're working on, what do you think is going to change? My hopes are that like, I don't think the car buying process or experience is any different than it is for a man, for a woman with the right people in place. Like there is, I mean, if you're going to a good salesperson, a good dealership, I truly believe you are going to be get treated the same. So I'm hoping that by if we just continue to select our salespeople to write good reviews to like build up those good salespeople and good dealerships, then like the old car dogs of the world are just like, you know, going to become extinct. Like I don't have like a, a way to like, here's what you say to this guy if he's not treating you right. I'm over that. Like it's 2023. Like I just don't have the headspace or the word tracks to get a guy to take you seriously. Like we're just done giving them our business. So I really just want to continue to be able to connect my audience with good local family owned dealerships because I just don't want to live in a world where we get extinct. Like it's my livelihood. I hope it to be my future. And like, I'm not going to sit on the sideline while you know, CarMax and Carvana and Vroom and the manufacturers try to think they can do it better than us because I don't think they can. When you say, hopefully it's going to be my, or I hope it's going to be my future, do you think you're going to get back into the dealership business in like a full-time capacity? I think so. Wow. I mean, I, lo I, love, I love the car business. And I don't know if I would ever be like, I would ever, I will never stop doing the car mom, but I think there's a real opportunity to just like continue to, you know, make ways on the consumer side to really just you know, have my, I mean, I would love to have my own dealership. Why not? I think we need more women-owned, you know, dealerships. Why not? Well, 
if we have any female owners that are listening to this podcast right now, then maybe they can reach out and connect. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, Kelly, this has been awesome. I want to end with two other questions. The first one being, what's next for the car mom? I mean, you've launched so many cool different forms of media and so many, you know, kind of micro businesses and some are growing faster than others. And But what's next? You know, we're kind of in the, wow, we did a lot. And now let's enjoy being mom's phase. Like I got into this business to have flexibility to be home with my kids. Um, and I'm very hyper aware of like phases of my life. So I have three kids, four and under right now. My sister's about to have her first baby. And we feel so blessed that we have this career that's so flexible that we can do what we love while still making it to like, you know, four o'clock daycare pickup. So I plan on like taking, I mean, one day I want to take this thing to the moon and like, I want to have like, you know, I want to, I, I want it to be a household name and like no family is buying a car without the car mom, you know, helping through the car buying process. And I want to like really help make real changes in how these cars get produced. And like, I would love to like consult with manufacturers on like just making some minor changes that would make a car so much more convenient for families. But my priority for like the next 10 years is to keep doing what I'm doing and enjoy time with my family. And then I'm going to hopefully continue to build an audience, keep an engaged audience, keep, you know, keep being relatable to my audience so that when that time comes, they're all there and we're ready to do it once I'm kind of out of this phase of my life. Incredible. Where can people yeah. learn more about you and the car mom? Well, if you want to see some chaos, you can follow us on Instagram, look at the car mom. Um, YouTube is where we keep more of like our formal like car buying and car um, car tours. And then we're really proud of our website. We actually just launched last week a car uh, a car quiz. So you can take this quiz to I find out which family car we think would be, which has been like, I mean, the logic and data that went behind building that has taken truly months. Wow. But we think it's actually, we think it's actually pretty accurate. So you can do that. Um, and then my podcast is called The Carpool, where we think it's pretty funny. We'll have to get you on The Carpool and you can come gossip with us because some of your tweets are like basically like, I mean, you're like, this is crazy. Like, I would love to dive into just some of the crazy. Yeah, I, I would love that. We Like I said, we just like talk about the auto industry from like we're two girls gossiping <laughs> because we are. And there's like a lot of gossip going on in the auto industry. Like, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> Kelly, this was truly awesome. I'm super excited for for what you're building. Thanks again for coming on. And um, of course, we will talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. All right. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Please give the podcast a rating. Consider subscribing to the show and check the show notes for links to what we talked about. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys next time.